Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear a screaming shout. I love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hello, Ward. Hello, Eric. I'm doing it a little bit like, hello, Newman. Yeah, yeah. Hello, Jerry. My favorite exchange in that relationship was um, that happened at the door. Hello, Newman. Hello, Jerry. And Newman then said, frankly, Jerry, I'm a little concerned. And Jerry goes, you're not a little anything, Newman. <laughs> All right, man. Well, we've got a giant episode today because of our guest. But before Mm -hmm. we get into that and recap the week that was, let's tell people who we are. Powered by. I really, I really caught you off guard on that one, huh? Yeah, yeah, you did, you did. It was, it was set up sort of in a, a question. Well, so- casually, but it worked. The words worked. Let's let everyone know who we are powered by. Yeah, no, I mean, look, we're we're a great duo. You set it up. <laughs> I spiked it. Like this is this yeah. is uh, 170 episodes in. We're we're just a well-oiled machine. well-oiled machine. And speaking of well-oiled machines, community cars. That's what you get from community cars. The the operation is a well-oiled machine and you walk out of it with a well-oiled machine. Like the, the, I we have had the privilege of driving around several community cars. You now own one and we have never had an issue with the oil level (laughs) (laughs) and and if you ever do you just go to community cars and they'll take care of it is that true they'll change your they'll they'll top it off they'll top off your oil they'll change your oil will they are you sure drain it (laughs) fill it i mean I mean, but that seems like that seems like something more you go to like Jiffy Lube for. Are are we sure Community Cars does that for you? No. <laughs> but yes, at the same time, yes. Look, communitycars.com is just your car solution. 
period. I mean, they are, they have so many different brands of cars. Uh, you're going to find what you want there. And I can't even list all the names of cars, mostly because I don't know them. What I love is that, again, Evan has taken great care of us coming back to Bloomington to make sure we, we have a way to get around. And you never know what's going to be waiting for us. It could be a Ford Explorer. It could be an F-150. That one time there was a, a Testarossa. Yeah, um, sure. <laughs> um, but the great thing about community cars is any way you want to get your car, you can get it from them. You want to dial it up on the phone? You got a flip phone? You got a flip phone that you still use? You, you got a car phone attached in the middle console? Pull up the car phone, call community cars. You'll get your car that way. You want to go in? Chop it up with a salesman because you just like talking to salesmen, like the quote from Glen Gary Glenn Ross, when Jack Lemon is all happy that he sold all these leads to the, and I can't remember the name of the people, and Kevin Spacey says, those leads are dead. They just like talking to salespeople. <laughs> which is crazy that there's anybody who just likes talking to salespeople. But if you want to go in and chop it up with them, you'll walk out with a car and have a great experience. And if you want to do it online, like I did, Went online, built my car, sent in to Community Cars the specs, and a few months later, the car was delivered to my driveway in Los Angeles. Best prices, no hassle, everything you could want. If I wanted to, to buy a car and pick it up in the parking lot of Assembly Hall, do you think they would meet me there and that's where they'd give me the keys? The problem for you is your credit check. My credit is great. No, your your credit is a problem. It's well over 800, thanks to my wife. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yes, I think they would deliver the car to you at, in assembly hall. In, Inside? In, Inside. In, on the court. <laughs> yeah. All right. Communitycars.com. Communitycars.com. They support us. They support NIL. They support Indiana University Athletics. If you're going to buy a car, support them. Okay, let's talk about the week that was. And really, there is one dominant story that happened this last week, which are two giant forces kind of coming together uh, in, I would say, the worst possible way. And that is NIL and the transfer portal. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and Miami. The University yeah, and of Miami. Miami. Always but, been a force for evil. But I think that these forces came together in a way that some people may have forecast, but I don't think many saw it coming as quickly as it did at the level that it did. And of course, we're talking about, as Ward mentioned with Miami, that the Nigel Pack news sent shockwaves through the NIL world, that he took a $400,000 a year for two-year deal at Miami to transfer to Miami. That deal was announced seconds after the commitment was announced, which hmm. does make the question, how in the blue fuck did that happen? Things that make you go, hmm. hmm. Uh, clearly not the spirit of the rules that have been laid out by NIL guidelines from the NCAA or from member schools. We know that at Indiana University, the guidelines are very clear that something like that should and cannot happen. Um, but that happened, and then the agent you said, who you said things like that should and cannot happen. <laughs> should not and cannot. I was I was thinking that the not applied to both. Right. Yeah, it didn't. Should not and cannot happen. Period. Boom. Nailed it. In Miami, the agent that negotiated Nigel Pack's deal <laughs> announces that deal, and then days later says, 
that this other dude at Miami who led the team to an Elite Eight appearance this year, unless he gets more NIL, commiserate with what a leader of an Elite Eight team should get, which, by the way, should be more than some transfer that just came in, which is the transfer that he just negotiated the deal for, (laughs) that he's going to enter the transfer portal. That went out on social media, and days later, the player pulled back because a firestorm was set off because clearly that is the definition for pay for play, which is illegal. And I shouldn't say illegal. It's against the rules. And I do think that there's an interesting distinction there. Cause I hear a lot of people throwing around illegal. These aren't laws. Right. You're not going to jail. You right. know, it's not a felony. It's not a misdemeanor. It's rules set out by an organization that they can try to punish you for. I mean, and that's, and you see it on the message boards. People are just like, okay, the, the apocalypse is upon us as far as uh, the, the dystopian society of an NCAA that, that really has zero teeth. Like now everybody can see that the emperor has no clothes and it's like, okay, what are you going to do about it? And, and, you know, we'll see. Because I, I do wonder if this is going to usher in the age of the Power Five conferences really being like, okay, we need to be the new sheriff in town and kind of get together the, the five of us and figure out how to get some sort of management, some sort of parameters in place. Um, because I think right now, coaches, fans, probably players, families are all just like, where does this end? Like, how, how does, how, how do, how do we, does any kind of order come out of the chaos that the, 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 the match has now been struck and the house is on fire and how, how do we now keep, oh, oh, this guy got this deal. And even though I made my deal a month ago, now I want a better deal because I saw this deal and, and that can coaches not even count on having a player from game to game, much less season to season? Where does the madness end? Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, and and the truth is we don't have the answers, and, and no one does. But here is what we do know. NIL is here. NIL is a factor. There are right ways to do NIL, in our opinion, and wrong ways to do NIL. And we think with the Hoosier Hysterics NIL Collective, we have set up the right way. And I do want to take a moment to just talk about what it is we do and why it is within the rules. Because I saw some tweets and posts from people who clearly don't understand exactly how we do our thing and and why it works and why it's within the rules. So let's just break down. There's basically three ways in which we make NIL deals. The first and primary way is we want to aggregate as much money as we can from as many fans out there who want to have a direct impact on the success of Indiana University athletics and primarily basketball. We want to aggregate everybody's money. So if you go to hhnil.com, hhnil.com, you can contribute any amount of money through PayPal. You can set up monthly contributions, which Ward talked about last week. Think about as like a Netflix subscription. This is it. Like if you are going to be watching Indiana University basketball games, you want you want the quality of content to be as high as possible. So why not pay 10 bucks a month? So your streaming service that is Indiana University basketball is of higher quality. It's better content. 
it's more wins because we have better talent because said talent knows if they come to Indiana University, there's NIL deals awaiting them. Yes, so let's let's break that down a little bit. The rules that are in place for NIL deals are that a player can monetize his name, image, and likeness in really any way he wants, but that the entity making a deal with said player has to have a business purpose for that player. That player has to provide something in return for the money that they are getting. The way that we're able to do this is Hoosier Hysterics is a company. We are incorporated. So when we aggregate everybody's money and then make deals with important and impactful players at Indiana University, in exchange, those players are going to do something Hoosier Hysterics related. It could be social media posts. It could be videos. It could be showing up at an event that we put on. It could be coming to the Bluebird if we do another one of those. It could be doing something extra at a fan fest. It could be doing an autograph session. So we have express business purposes for promotional services from IU players. We are 100% covered. We've had lawyers from Ice Miller, bless it. We've had IU compliance bless how we do business. So we are 100% within the rules. That is the number one priority that we have is raising money from fans, aggregating that money and making impactful deals. And as Ward said, when we make those impactful deals, that word is allowed to be spread. The players talk to recruits about it. The coaches can tell recruits, here are deals that are in place now. And that helps us get better players. So that's that's leg one of well, the stool. And, and I think that leg is so crucial. Indiana University uh, has never been a school or had boosters that paid players. It's just not the way we've done things. And so with many of these other schools that were always – operating in those those murky dark muddy waters uh all, all they simply had to do was oh okay now we'll we'll pay we'll put the money on top of the table instead of sliding it underneath we have to build not only a new infrastructure on how to keep up with this new day and age of of college basketball but we also have to change the hearts and minds of indiana university alum and fans because there's just this this old school pride of like, no, we don't do that. And like, I'm so glad that was where we came from and what our mentality was, but that's all over now. That is that is the old model of how college basketball worked. And in July 1st of 2021, that changed. So if we want Indiana University to be not only uh, like maintained, we, we need to get back to where we were as a program. This is this is a crucial along with having just a great coach and a wonderful fan base, amazing place to play, uh, a, a national television deal. It's like we have got to implement this and and it's going to take all of us because there's not just eight guys sitting in a back room smoking cigars being like we got this, we'll take care of it. Uh if those eight guys are out there listening and want to get involved, like let's go. But honestly, it's going to be uh, there's so many of us, it's going to be this aggregate you mentioned. It's not going to be a handful of guys doing all the heavy lifting for the rest of us. Correct. That's leg one of the stool. Leg two is we have provided an opportunity for businesses who want to do NIL deals, but don't necessarily exactly know how to do that. So we did one with 
as an example, Riverside Carpet One, which in Columbus, Indiana, a great local business, wanted to do an NIL deal. We got involved. We facilitated Miller Cop and Tamar Bates going there, doing autographs. They had food set up. They had some games. It was great. The business puts the money into the collective. We pay the players and make the deals and they provide the service for the business. So we're here to facilitate deals. And the third is events that we did a fan fest last year. The fan fest raised money by ticket sales, raised money by corporate sponsorships. And we took that money and split it amongst the current team. And we believe in this model because we love the idea of doing team events. We also did a youth camp for the women's team and took money uh, that the women the, that were raised for the women's uh, camp with young kids and split it amongst the women's team. But we believe in this model because we love the idea that it's the team doing something together and everyone gets paid. Yeah. And we know the coaches love that. We know the administration loves that. And we know it creates just kind of a cool camaraderie that all these guys are in it to have this fun event and they're going to walk away with a check. And we hope to have some big news very soon on some events coming in August uh, to Bloomington. Uh, but those are the three three legs of our stool. Just to be safe, are there any dates in August I shouldn't plan? Anything? I, would, I would keep August 18th to the 21st available. Open, keep that open. Okay, I'll do that. Keep that open. One final point I want to make on HHNIL.com. We do not take a single penny. There is no administration fee. There are no management costs. We do not take costs of us being involved in events or anything out of the money that you give. 100% of the money that you give to HHNIL.com goes to the players. That is our contribution to the effort of NIL. Besides trying to organize and run it, we are not taking a single penny. We pay the legal fees. We pay the accounting fees. We pay our travel costs. We pay any cost that you could possibly associate with NIL activities for us, we pay for. Your money, 100% guaranteed, goes to the players. That's all I want to say about NIL. That's why I think we are uniquely positioned to help Indiana compete. Now, how this relates to what happened in Miami, and I want to make this clear, what Miami and what that agent was attempting to do was extort Miami and, and whoever is involved in NIL deals in Miami. That was extortion. That was like holding a, a, a metaphorical gun to the head of the guy who's giving money. We will not play in that game. We won't do it. We won't do it for any player. Now, we don't think we'll ever have to because we think that if we do what we're doing and Hoosiers for Good does what they're doing, we are going to make so many smart, impactful, meaningful NIL deals, we will not have to have a gun held to our head. And, and we just won't play in that game. So I want you to rest assured that we're going to be aggressive as hell and we're going to make the right NIL deals with the right players when we're allowed to make those deals. And those deals are going to be meaningful and they're going to have real impact on future players and future transfers who are going to see what is available at Indiana. But we're going to do it within the rules that have been provided by Indiana and the NCAA. We're going to do it in a way that makes our coaches and administration proud and you proud for giving us your money. We want to do you right. And that's why we set up HHNIL.com. And we're setting a precedent, right? Because it's the Wild West and you've got to establish what you're doing in this space now. And 
if not already, the word gets out very quickly. Indiana University, once you get there and you enroll and you're a student and you're a player, deals will come your way. You know, whether it's a part of, of a fan fest and every scholarship player gets it, if you really break out as a star, well, look, look at Trace, look at Race. You, there's even more enticement there for you. But if you think you're going to end up holding them over a barrel and you're going to actually squeeze more out of them than what was originally agreed to, no, don't go there. And so I think there's, there's going to be... Um, plenty of incentive for the kind of players, the level of players we need and want in Bloomington to be a top 10 program. Uh, but th there's going to be people who always want more and it's never enough. And we don't want them anywhere near Indiana University. Yeah, because there's all kinds of issues that come with that locker room issues, personality issues, you know, I mean, all kinds of things. We're just not going to play in that game. Now let's talk about kind of an offshoot of what happened that we've you know, we, we have been somewhat quiet on, but I think we can talk about it. The deadline for entering the transfer portal while not having to sit out a year. So the, the deadline for getting that waiver, that one-time waiver passed uh, this last Sunday night at midnight, May 1st. And no one else from Indiana entered the portal as of that time. Now, the truth is there wasn't much question about most of the people. We've heard you know, we knew race was coming back. Obviously he announced that Jordan Geronimo had announced he's coming back. And then I think the guys that haven't announced they're coming back, there was just, we, we kind of have been saying it on message boards and stuff. There was no real jeopardy. We were worried about trace Jackson Davis period. Mm -hmm. We were worried that trace Jackson Davis, who has announced that he's exploring his NBA potential was going to enter the transfer portal. And we think that that concern was somewhat warranted on some stuff that we heard. And truthfully, I understand it because of what happened with Miami and Nigel Pack. Trace Jackson Davis is the one guy positioned on Indiana's roster that looks like he could make tons of money in NIL. Mm -hmm. And if there was this open market, the way that Miami tried to, or that way that the, that the agent for the player at Miami tried to position it, you could absolutely understand a scenario where an agent is getting in Trace's ear and saying, hey, man, there's no harm in entering the transfer portal. All it does is protect your options and incentivize people to give you more money. That's all it does. And you still explore the NBA. And if you want to go back to Indiana, go back to Indiana, but at least enter the transfer portal so it makes everybody kind of up their game a little bit. The fact that Trace Jackson Davis did not do that is awesome. I'm really happy about that. Yeah. Does it mean he's coming back to Indiana? No. It means that it's either NBA or Indiana. And that, I think, is a good place for us to be. And I really uh, am happy and respect the fact that he did not enter the portal. Because even if his plan was to come back to Indiana, even if that was the full plan, he could have entered the portal to increase leverage. Right. And he didn't. Yep. So I'm really happy about that. But it was a concern. And well, and I'm glad he didn't. Yeah. And that's something where he's taking on legendary status with the, the production, you know, getting IU finally back to the tournament. If he goes to the NBA, everybody's going to be rooting for him and wishing him well. If he comes back to Indiana University, well, he's really going to start to 
etch his name at near the very top of some very important columns in the record book. Fair, yeah. Were he even to flirt with the idea, you know, of uh, like by entering the portal, like, hey, maybe I'll go play for another school, the fan base would have lost their mind. And by and fan base, we mean us. Us, <laughs> like 99% of us, we all just like, it's going to be very hard to not take it personally if you're considering another school over us you know at, at you know at any point um you know you you decide even before you you're a, a junior in high school and you pick another school over us we're going to be upset about it but if you're one of our beloved players um that i think he had to understand that he had to know how beloved he is and just basically that for the rest of his life He's going to be an Indiana Hoosier and people within the state of Indiana will do whatever they can to help him. And and even by just throwing your name out there to get that little bit of leverage, so much goodwill would have been lost. And I think it's so important that he had the maturity um, to make sure that misstep wasn't taken and that any future Hoosier in his position uh, hopefully will follow in that example that, look, it's just not worth it. Whatever kind of cash grab you might get for a season or two somewhere else cannot, cannot possibly set you up in the way being a Hoosier legend for your lifetime can be. Absolutely. And look, I you you um, couched your legend comments earlier by saying legendary in the record books because he right. is. I mean, he's like, I, I haven't looked at the numbers recently, but I think if he has similar production... You're talking about a guy who finishes like top three to five all-time rebounds, the all-time shot blocking leader, um, scoring. I think he'll be like right close to Mike Woodson in, yeah. in scoring. So, but there's one piece of the puzzle that is remaining for him to be a true legend, which is a deep, good run for Indiana. I don't yeah. think just making the tournament. I think if Trace Jackson Davis comes back next year, there is no reason for us not to believe that we can compete for a Big Ten title and at least make the second weekend of the NCAA tournament. And those should be the expectations. Absolutely. Those should be. There's no excuses anymore. I get it. We don't have the shooting that we thought. But we got three, basically four or five stars on the team. Trace was like a borderline four or five star, depending on the service. But Tamar Bates, you hope, takes a jump. You got Malik Renault coming in. You got... Um, uh, Jalen Hood Shafino, you got Race Thompson coming back. Like you got real ballers and talent. And if development is what development should be, and these guys come back and play at a high level, I mean, I am so excited for what the team could be. And that missing piece, I actually think is important to Trace. I do. I think his legacy at Indiana is important to him. And while getting Indiana to the tournament is one step, it's a big step. I'm not going to say it's not. But last season was not the great season that we all wanted. It was successful in that we made the NCAA tournament and we won the first four game. But it's not where we want to be. And Trace has the ability to be the leader of a team that gets us to basically where we want to be as a top, what, 15 program in the country? Yeah. And that could happen next year. Yeah. So if that happens and Trace stays healthy, 
you're right. I mean, he leaves as a legend, especially not going to the NBA, not transferring in this world where it's so easy to do so. So super excited about that. Super excited about what this team is going to look like. Um, I just want the season to be here already. Yeah, so what the hell are we going to do for the next few months? Like, honestly, we're going to drive ourselves crazy because it's not even – there might be another player or two in or out. We don't know. We'll wait to see about Trace. But, like – and we don't have the Bahamas this year. Like, I mean, what are we going to do? What are we? I'm not going to start watching baseball. Well, you could become a Cardinals fan. Look, I, I will root for the Cardinals just for you, but you. I ain't going to watch the games. Maybe if they get to the postseason. Could they get to the postseason? Yeah, we usually get to the postseason. We have very little chance of winning it. But once you get into the tournament, who knows? Uh, here's what I'm going to do. I'm diving headfirst into football. You know, spring football just ended. What's wrong with you? There's no football in the summer. What are you going to watch, the USFL? No, but we get summer workout updates. Like, you're not going to get excited about we start the season in August? Well, August, it, but it's May. It just turned May. Um, we are now entering into sports. All right, so what do you want to do, Ward? You want to just shut it down for three months and come <laughs> back? What are you doing? Are you telling people to not listen to us for the next three months? What the hell is going on right now? <laughs> well, we know we can't talk about the NBA playoffs because that's just a trigger for like half the fans. Like it really, no, but I do love the NBA playoffs. I love them. Me too. But there's just this vitriol. A lot of people have towards the NBA and I, I get it more about the regular season, but I'm like, I don't know. I just don't see if, if you love the game of basketball, how, how you can't appreciate what happens during the playoffs and, with these freaks. These guys are freaks across the board. They are. And by the way, Juwan Morgan is on the roster for the Boston Celtics and Victor Oladipo is on the roster for the Miami heat. And, and while Starting he doesn't some run, he got some run, you know, he he's basically Jimmy Butler's backup basically, but he's stepped in and won them playoff games already. Miami heat could win the NBA title. Victor Oladipo could get a ring. Boston Celtics are really good. They could win the NBA title. And Juwan we- Morgan might get an NBA ring. I mean, that'd be amazing. So I do root for the Hoosiers that are left in, in the NBA. And I do like watching Phoenix and golden state play. They're fun. Oh, so fun. And look, Vic, the stuff that went on with the Pacers, that's a bummer. Um, you know, like obviously terrible, um, the injury he's he's been dealing with. So, you know, just to see him out there, like, moving, just, like, looking good running up and down the court, hitting some shots, looking like Victor Oladipo on the basketball court. It seemed like it had been so long that I'd seen that certainly in a meaningful way. Like, just watching that last night, I'm like, man, it's good to see Vic out there. And I really, I really want to see him um, just have a redemption story. So, listen, man. We've been blathering on, and everybody who clicked on this podcast, they know who the guest is because it says it in the title of the podcast. So we know at this point they're just hitting the 30-second skip button like over and over again to get to our guest today. And there is simply no one better to talk to. So what do you say we just shut the hell up and get to it? Yep. Here comes our guest. Here comes our guest. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, when you do a podcast that's really, really focused on Indiana University men's basketball team, there's there's one guy on planet Earth you want to talk to more than any other. He happens to be with us today. Eric, who we got? Ladies and gentlemen, 
We are lucky to be talking to this gentleman again. We are talking to the man who led us out of the darkness this last year where we broke the streak and beat those sons of bitches at Purdue for the first time in a long time. That's right. Yeah, I see the faces. He led us out of the darkness where we won two games in the Big Ten tournament. He led us out of the darkness where we were able to make the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2016 and win a game against Wyoming. It was a season filled with some really big highs, some lows that we'll talk about a little bit, but a season that shows that we are on the way up. And we are also talking to a gentleman, the only gentleman that would allow Ward Roberts to get up at 6 a.m. on the West Coast to talk to this man. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to the head coach of Indiana University men's basketball, Mike Woodson. Thank you, guys. Thank you. I saw your face when I when I described Purdue that way. You were a little skeevish about that. Well, we had a good time. That was a hell of a game for our ball club. You know, something that hadn't happened in some years. And, you know, Rob Finnessy probably hit the biggest shot of his college career for us. And, boy, it was a great celebration that night. It was unbelievable. Yes, it, yes, was. it was. So – Coach, before we get into um, kind of looking back at the year and maybe even looking forward, can you just give us a, a sense of what is a normal day for you right now? We're, we're here in May. Um, obviously, there's still some things going on in transfer portal and all that stuff uh, and some decisions that need to be made by like Trace on the NBA front. We'll get to that. But what is going on with the team right now? What are you what are you seeing and how are you working with them? Well, again, it's, it's dead period. You know, they're getting ready for uh, finals. You know, you got graduation coming up uh, uh, this week. Um, but our guys have been in working, you know, really the last month. You know, we've had individual uh, uh, workouts uh, where guys are slotting their times and uh, coming in and getting their, their weight lifting on, and then they – they go in the gym and they get individual instructions. So that will continue throughout the summer. Now they'll get a break here uh, for about 30 days and we'll send them home with a game plan in terms of weightlifting and things that they need to work on from a basketball standpoint. And then they'll come back and uh, we'll start, I think around June the third, second or third is when they got to report back and then they get a piece of me. <laughs> so coach, i feel like um we we can go backwards and forwards um so i think kind of like uh, let's look at the season that was first and you show up you you know like you said you never left bloomington but now you're back as the head coach of indiana university you start getting acclimated to being the head coach of a major college program for the first time what was the biggest surprise as you made your way through your first season that you just weren't expecting good or bad being the head coach at IU? Well, I think when I first got here and the portal was, you know, implemented into college basketball, that was the biggest surprise for me because, you know, guys were all over the place, you know, mentally in terms of their approach to me and what they wanted to do. And when I sat and gave this, what I call an all-star speech to the, the, the new group of guys that I was inheriting, you know, nobody raised their hands to stay on board. 
And I was in there begging and pleading, hey, give me an opportunity. You know, what happened in the past is, you know, in the past. And, you know, I have, you know, nothing but good things to say about coaches that have coached here, you know, because coaching is hard. So, you know, what happened with Archie happened. But, you know, I just wanted these guys to give me an opportunity being the new coach. And I didn't get that the first day. So I had to go home and do some soul searching and come up with plan B and plan B was to go right to the top and get my best player on board, which was Trace Jackson Davis. And I met with him the next day and, uh, and his parents and, uh, got him to buy in and commit. And then everybody else started to fall in place. Uh, and then once we got everybody on board, it was time to go to work because, you know, we had the early jump on everybody in college basketball where we could go out of the country and, and, and play a couple of games, which we went to the Bahamas, as you guys know, and we had to start preparing. So it was work as soon as I pretty much stepped in the, to get players on board and then start training for basketball. How has your mindset changed, if it has at all, about the transfer portal as now you're ending your first season? And obviously there were a few guys at, at IU that decided uh, to enter the portal and, and go elsewhere and look for other opportunities. I, I'm really curious, just from your perspective, how do you manage this portal when a guy can just leave you at any time? How do you build a roster that way? Well, again... I'm not real happy about the portal um, because I think, you know, and I can just reflect back to when I, when I came to IU, I came to and committed myself for four years to play for, I think the greatest college coach has ever graced the college floor and Bob Knight. Um, and now you open up Pandora's box with the portal and you given players an opportunity to, to leave right. and right. and come to your your program and uh, I just don't think college basketball was meant to be that way. You know, you go to college to get an education and 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 play basketball if that's what you so choose to do. Um, but I think the portal is something has got to be done. I think uh, if it continues on, because I just don't think it's good for college basketball. I really don't. Um, you know, we're looking at now this pay for play. I mean, it's just a lot. And I'm not against players getting paid. Don't get me wrong. I, uh, I think there's enough money that's been made in college basketball, ball in, in all college sports, mainly basketball and football, that, you know, athletes should be able to get paid. And that's not excluding volleyball and the girls' basketball and, and golf. You know, I just think everybody should – get a piece of the pie. And um, so I'm not against, you know, let I me mean, make that clear. I'm not against, you know, athletes getting paid, but I just think the way it's set up right now is, is dangerous because you opening up a can of worms for all kind of things to happen. And uh, that's the sad part about it. I think, because I would love when I recruit a kid uh that that kid stays with me for four years. And if he's good enough to, to leave in a year or two and go 
professionally, then I say God bless him. I pat him on the butt and wish him nothing but the best. But uh, it's just, you know, this portal is like a revolving door. You just don't know what's going to happen, man. And that's that's kind of sad as far as I'm concerned. Uh, I want just a quick follow up because we would be uh, remiss if we did not ask your your Indiana basketball career as a coach started with convincing Trace to give you a shot and come back. And clearly Trace is now exploring NBA opportunities. What is your current understanding of the Trace situation? And are you still in contact with him? Do you do you remain in touch with him? Well, we're in a good place with Trace. Um, he did not enter the portal, uh, which I don't know if that was really something he was really considering. But the fact that he didn't enter the portal means a great deal to this program because make no mistake about it. We were in position this season because of Trace Davis race and the, and the supporting cast. Um, and to have him come back will be, it will be huge for our program, but you know, I get it. You know, every young man's dream is to play in the NBA and he's going to test the waters in that regard. And I wish him nothing but the best there. But if it doesn't work out, he's got a home, you know, <laughs> with open arms. I mean, that we'll take him back and, and then we'll lace it up again another season and see what happens with our ball club. Well, it's yes. certainly being on terra firma with going all the way back to Isaiah Thomas. Guys would leave early for the NBA draft. So, yeah, I think the portal is definitely disorienting, um, especially when you see the kind of deals that are being made out there. But you were able to pull together not only uh, a lot of the players to come back for for you in season one, but then you grabbed some good ones out of the portal too. Um, X obviously was a huge factor throughout the season. I do wonder, how did you take this team with several new players and install a completely new defensive system and come out the other end of the season as the top-ranked defense in the Big Ten? How in the hell did you do that? Well, again, I think when you got a group of guys that believe in you, and I definitely believed in them, you know, it's kind of magical. It works. You know, and if they buy into your shit, and 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 they work, you know, good things happen. Um, you know, yeah, it was a cram session for everybody, my coaching staff trying to figure me out and, you know, players trying to figure, you know, who Coach Woodson was all about. And the fact that they were great listeners and they put in the time and work uh, put us in a a nice position and it didn't hurt that we had that month to prepare for the Bahamas to get an early start, man, because, you know, we had to teach so much and, um, you know, I applaud them, you know, they, they put up a with a lot of stuff from coach Woodson and, and I, and the staff, but, uh, we became a pretty damn good defensive team and, and we got better offensively. Uh, when I say that, not throwing the ball all over the gym early on, we were, we were just hand delivering the ball to our opponents, but we got better in that regard as well. In that regard, can we just talk about X? Because the, the, tran the transformation of X from the beginning of the year 
to that run at the end of the year was remarkable to watch. I mean, he was playing as well as any point guard in the conference, for sure, at the end of the season that helped with that run to get us into the NCAA tournament. Outside of just working hard, how did you reach him in a way that allowed for that transformation? Well, again, Eric, that position is the toughest position on a basketball floor. Uh, And if you're not clicking with that position, you struggle offensively. X has always been pretty good defensively. Uh, you know, you know, our defense starts with him up the floor, you know, putting the heat on the basketball. Uh, but offensively, he struggled. You know, he struggled with running pick and rolls the way we wanted him to run them. Um, he struggled in getting the ball where it needed to go. And he struggled with making good decisions and a lot of that had to do with, Hey, new coach, new system. I get it. You know, a lot of, a lot of things uh, mentally that you got to deal with Um, school still and off the court. I mean, there's a lot of things that come when playing college basketball, that a lot of people just don't understand when, when you're dealing with these young men and, It'll put up with a lot of shit from Coach Woodson, man. I mean, I rode him probably harder than any player on the team because I needed that position to function and function at a high level. And X, he just kept working, putting up with it, working, and he got better. And that's what basketball is all about. You know, you, you know, you started here at A1, and then you just you just continue to march and grow. And um, my coaching staff, you know, they had a lot to do with that, man, because we, you know, we put time in with him and uh, and we benefited from it at the end of the season, man, because he, like you said, he was clicking on all cylinders, doing a lot of good things to help us win basketball games. Let's talk Let's about race again in that regard, because a guy who was clicking on all cylinders at the end of the season, I mean, Trace was going crazy at 100 points in four games as we got into the Big Ten tournament. Um, what I think we we all definitely saw some strides from him uh, on defense, especially just rim protection. He really took it to the next level. Uh, how, how did you work with him on, on really both ends of the floor? And I guess I'm, I'm just as curious, I'm sure you've had the conversation with him or maybe not. Uh, if Trace comes back, how do you and him work together again to take his game to yet another level? I think it all started with Trace when we sat here in my office, when I tried to recruit him back. Um, you know, he never said he was leaving, but I just had to reassure myself in this program that he was on board and it started with film, a film session, basically where we watched film for a little over an hour and I never showed him anything great that he did. (laughs) And one of the things from a defensive standpoint, he just watched a lot. And as athletic as he is, he was just so unactive, you know, and those were things that I pointed out, you know, if somebody got beat, say on a wing on a baseline drive, he would just watch the guy come at him and just lay the ball in. 
And for me, that's unheard of. You know, I mean, if somebody gets beat, baseline drive, low guys got to come over. And once he learned the system and how we wanted to defend, it became a lot clearer for him. And he became he became this beast, man, in terms of blocking shots and and just covering up for for mistakes that we made defensively that was just beautiful to watch, man. And, um, you know, I had people saying, man, he's, he's so more active this season than he has been in the past. And a lot of that was, again, you know, him learning the system and us standing his butt about things that he needed to do defensively. So in that regard, I think he got better. He got better in pick and roll defense. Um, there's not a lot that Trace can't do, uh, I think, moving forward. You know, and if he decides to come back, the next step is to, to get him to shoot out on the floor and feel comfortable. You know, I mean, he took a few shots this year. He made a couple of them, but he's just so unsure of himself. And that's something that I just got to I gotta get out of him, you know, And because I'm telling him it's okay to shoot. You know, I mean, a coach tells you that take heave and shoot the ball, you know, it's okay. Shoot it. You know, I'll tell you when you can't shoot it anymore, you know, I mean, but I, you know, I want him to shoot because that's really the only missing piece. I mean, he handles the ball on the floor. We net, we let him rebound it and initiate the break, you know, because of his ball handling skills. I mean, he's a good passer, great passer. So, I mean, there's not a whole lot he can't do, uh, but the jump shot, you know, is something that we just got to help him and, and work with him more. Throughout the year, I heard you in press conferences and interviews talk about, you know, I'm sure you got tired of the question, the differences between the NBA and, and college. But one of the things you brought up a lot was that because there aren't as many games in the college season, there's more time for you to teach. Um, can you just talk about what it is about that that you really enjoyed? Because when you talked about it, you seemed like you really perked up and that was a, a fun thing for you. Talk about what it is about that that you really enjoyed. Well, again, I mean, somebody taught me how to play basketball. You know, it started in high school with Bill Smith, but, you know, it, it, it was knocked out of the park when I came to Indiana and I played for Bob Knight because he, he taught me the fundamentals and and just the right way to play. And, you know, there was a lot of time spent doing that. And, you know, when I compare my life, the 34 years that I spent in the NBA, it's just not enough time, especially when you have a young team like I had in Atlanta. I mean, that was, that was six years of major, major work in terms of taking 18, 19, 20-year-old young men and getting them to a point where they could really compete at a high level in the NBA. Um, the beauty about college, man, you know, I, I just like, I look at where we started with this this team last season and where we finished. Yeah, there was a dry spot coming down the stretch, but I knew I was going to hit the dry spot based on what had happened when I suspended those guys, because you can either go one way, you either go, up or down, there's no in-between uh, mentally with young players I mean, because I've experienced that over the years in the pros. Um, and uh, uh, 
you know, I don't know. I just, I like the idea that I can watch film. I got three, four days to prepare for a game uh, or two games. Um, and then I can teach, man. That's the fun part about, you know, if you're a coach and you don't like to teach, then you, you're in the wrong prof profession, really, because I feel like I have something to give back to these young men. And it might not always be right, you know, really, because uh, nobody, you know, I, I tell coaches all the time, nobody is really wrong or right. It's how you can get your players to believe in what you do. That's how you become successful as a coach. You know, nobody's wrong or right. Coaching is hard, man. It really is. And fans and media people, they don't understand that part of it. Most of the time, media people have never even – played basketball, coached basketball, but they can, and fans too, you know, they can always give their opinion, which they're entitled. I have no problem with that, you know, but until you've stepped in those shoes and, and, and you've coached or you've run up and down on the floor and, 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 and a coach has yelled at you to try to get you to do this and that, you have no clue in what it's about, really. You just uh get it. Are you looking at Ward and I and thinking you're talking to two guys who have who just don't know what the hell they're talking about well, when it I comes mean, to basketball? No, if the shoes fits, you wear it. But no, I'm not saying that. <laughs> um, I want to follow up real quick, uh, Ward, real quick on the, the teaching aspect, because, look, your whole life has prepared you for teaching guys how to play the game of basketball. And you have a lot to to share there. But there's another aspect to coaching that isn't as pleasant, which is, and you mentioned the off the court stuff. Um, and you had some of those issues. You mentioned the Northwestern game. Uh, there was an incident with Parker earlier in the year where he got benched for a half. Uh, and then, and then clearly, and I don't want to get into specifics because it's still going on, but X is going through some stuff now. How do you learn or where have you learned how to handle those situations? Well, you know, I had a flare up when I was in college. Hey, listen, it's a part of human nature. You know, young men, young kids, you know, you experience rough times in your life. And I've always believed, you know, no life, nobody's life is perfect, man. And surely my life is you know, hasn't been a perfect life. You know, I've been on a roller coaster ride my whole career. Mm -hmm. And people look at my career and say, boy, what do you've had a, a hell of a career? Where I've made it and, and tried to make my life successful, I've never, ever let the downs outweigh the ups. You know, never. I'll never do that. And we all in life have downs. And we all in life have ups. I think you should cherish your ups because in this day and time, it's tough in our society to be successful. It really is. When you think about all the things, racism, all the turmoil things that's going on around us, man. But I've experienced it at a high level. I experienced it in college, some of the downs. And I've seen it at the highest level in the NBA for 34 years. You know, I played for some of the greatest coaches in pro basketball, starting with Red Holtzman sitting at the top. And I've been with teammates 
that have done some of the most bizarre things. And coaches have got to deal with that, you know, and you got to deal with it head on. And yeah, you can turn the, you know, you can turn the cheek and say, Hey, and then try to ignore it. But that's what, you know, if you're trying to build a team, you can't do that. You know, and I had problems in Atlanta, you know, you go back to my Atlanta days where I suspended players during critical times, but I was able to still blossom and excel through it and get where I needed to go. And that was the trying times back in the latter part of the season where we experienced what we did in, in uh, Northwestern. And um, I had to do it. And if I had to do it again, I would do it the same way. Uh, but I think everybody learned the lesson, I hope. And, and we benefited because we came out of the tailspin playing pretty good basketball. And that's, from a coaching standpoint, that's what you look at when you look at your team. How can you respond to adversity? And, and I thought we did a pretty good job in that regard. So two things. One, to make us better educated as media members, and I use that term loosely, and as fans, if, if you wanted to get Eric and I out on the court and just yell at us for like an hour, I think that would really help us have a, a better perspective on what you and the players go through, and it'd make for some great content. We'll put that aside for our next trip back to Bloomington. You mentioned the roller coaster ride. Uh, Northwestern, obviously, that's, that's, that's a dip. That's down low. But the way you mentioned coming out of that, playing pretty good basketball. Well, you guys lit Hoosier Nation on fire by the time it got to the Big Ten tournament. Can you talk about how that all came together? Oh, let's say around halftime of the Michigan game in the Big Ten tournament. <laughs> what what happened with your team that all of a sudden took it to the next level? Well, you think about that team going into tournament play, we lose two back-to-back games that were nail-biters. Yep. You know, Rutgers beat us at home at the buzzer, and we got a chance to beat Purdue at Purdue. You know, Parker has a wide open three man that that could have been a backbreaker uh, if had he made it. So you lose two games like that, boy, you got to regroup quickly because it's time for tournament play. And you know, we we go in and we we got to play Michigan who I thought was probably the best team in the big 10 that came in our building. And we had no answer for them when you think about it and going into that Michigan game, there was a lot of prep going into that game, but you wouldn't have it thought it helped after the first half because we were down, <laughs> I think 17 going into locker locker room at halftime. And I was, I was, I was upset. I was livid, man, in terms of how we played because I thought we did everything right in terms of our preparation. Our coaches did a great job in, 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 in helping me and in, in putting a game plan together, boy. And we just, you know, we had thoughts of what happened here in Bloomington that first half. So I had to go in a different coaching mode. <laughs> <laughs> and I started with the best player, Trace Jackson Davis. And it wasn't a pretty, it wasn't a pretty scene, you know. 
I didn't punch him, but nothing like that. <laughs> <laughs> no, but it was a lot of things said. Um, and again, when you do something like that as a coach, it could either help you or it can hurt you. And Trace Jackson being who he, he's been for our ball club all season, he answered the bell mm-hmm. in a major way. And we were able to come 17 down, man, and, and win a hell of a game. So, and it was uh, a nice carryover to the Illinois game because that didn't hurt us either. <laughs> no, that was that was special. And then a nail biter against Iowa, truthfully, yeah. that, that we were right in. And if the ball bounces a certain way, and that that does seem to be a mantra for so many of our games this year. And I gotta ask this because look, we've snuck into some practices. We've seen you take the ball and shoot a bunch while everybody else is stretching. You still get your shots up, and more of them seem to go in than go out. Uh, how frustrating as a shooter is it for you, just the lack of success that we had as a shooting ball club last year, and how do you, besides just bringing in players who are better shooters, how do you fix it? Well, again, I knew coming into the season, you know, after watching our guys play pickup, um, I was searching to figure out who was going to be able to make shots when we assembled our ball club. I knew that. And it's no knock against our guys. Hell, they work their butts off. They sh- We shoot every day. And there was one stretch where we we had gotten better. Mm-hmm. You know, we went through a stretch where we were shooting the ball pretty well from the three-point line. Uh, so that's why I knew coming into this season that, we had to build a defensive system uh, because I I knew in past experience, if your defense is where it needs to be, you will be in every ball club, I mean, ball game and give yourself a chance to win. And we were, you know, I look at all the close games that we lost, you know, it was just things that we did that cost us the game. Now, you know, you can blame that on coach Woodson, um, but again, I've I've been around coaching and basketball long enough to know it's just not Coach Woodson. It's everybody involved, and uh, losing close games it it could be because new new team, new players. Everybody's still trying to get familiar with one another. Uh, new team, new players, guys don't know who the guy to go to to make the shot in critical time. New team, new players. Uh, even though you, you're pretty good defensively, you have a defensive breakdown. New team, new players. Ball goes up. to get to block a guy out. They get a key rebound. There's a lot of things that play a major role in losing close games. Coach Woodson maybe not calling the timeout. Coach Woodson probably drawing up the wrong play. Uh, Coach Woodson screws up in a deal, giving them a defensive assignment. I mean, there's all kinds of ways to lose basketball games, and we found all those ways in close, close games. And I walk away not upset. I walk up saying I got to do better as the head coach, to get them over the hump. You heard me say that a lot. It probably 
uh, was uh, upsetting to a lot of the media people because I kept saying it, but I didn't care because at the end of the day, it is my job to get them over the hump. Uh, you know, you're dealing with young men. I'm a grown man. I've experienced and I've gone through it. It's my job to get them over the hump. And we started to get over the hump at the end. And for me, that was rewarding because they didn't quit. And teams, when you go through a tailspin, sometimes they can shut it down and they never recover. I've experienced that as well as a, as a head coach, but they didn't. They had fight in them. And the games that we lost, they had fight. So for me, this was a very productive season there, you guys. I mean, because this, this team, they just never quit, you know, yeah. and you know, they gave us an opportunity to win ball games. It was certainly the most fun we've had as Indiana basketball fans in many years. Um, the way that season uh, through the Big Ten tournament, getting into the NCAA tournament, winning a game there. Um, we're going to skip past the St. Mary's game. I, I mean, if we want to talk about the cheerleader getting the basketball, that's great. Otherwise, I think we can say that was a very successful first season for Coach Woodson and his staff. <clears throat> but I think, you know, we don't need to get into any details at all, um, but to transition into the next season, you did have to let a member of your staff go. And I just wonder how difficult is that for you personally, especially when uh, it's a member of the staff who is a fellow Indiana Hoosier basketball player? Well, it's tough. You know, it's the first time in my coaching career I had to do that. Uh, and I think sometimes uh, – when you when you assemble assemble a, a coaching unit, uh, things happen, and um, it just didn't work out between us. And you know, I was the guy who hired him, and I I was the guy that had to to fix it because we just didn't we didn't match, we didn't mix together. And uh, I think they knew that, and it's no knock against him because I wish him nothing but the best moving forward. But we just we just had a bad work relationship, and uh, instead of lingering and and festering, you know, I moved on, and uh, I think it was the right thing to do for for me as well as uh, our program. Let's well, talk about additions to the program. Uh, we can talk about these guys because they are signed. You have had some tremendous recruiting success in your really just about 13 months on the job. Last year, getting five-star Tamar Bates to come, but this year, getting Jalen hood Shafino and Malik Renault. and I, I don't want to miss on also having, you know, obviously CJ Gunn was on board before you came, but you retained him, and then we bring in Caleb Banks. But can you talk briefly about what you saw in Jalen hood Shafino? And then Malik also, since it's the most recent, and what you think they bring to Indiana that, that maybe we have not had? Well, again, I think when you travel the circuit of AAU, you see all sorts of players, and competition is pretty stiff. Uh, and when I first saw Jalen, uh, you know, being a 6'5 point guard, that intrigued me you know, big time because uh, he's a big guard. And the fact that he could pass and he was kind of a pass first 
score second, you know, player, that intrigued me too, knowing that he could still score if he wanted to score the basketball. But he always looked to set people up, man. And that was that was kind of unique when you when you go through the AAU circuit because everybody's trying to make a name for themselves and and seem like the only way you can make a name for yourself is scoring the basketball, you know, but which is kind of irritating at times too because you know defense wins and you know I've seen players that are just defensive guys that have had successful careers in the NBA uh, like you wouldn't believe but or being a great rebounder you know has taken players a long way in their career uh, but so it's not always just scoring but it was just something about him that I liked. You know, I coached a kid by the name of Jason Kidd uh, in New York, and he's probably the smartest player that I've ever coached. Uh, and granted, you know, he was well on the tail end of his career when I got him, but, boy, he could still play. Hell, he helped me win 54 games in the division that year. Uh, there were some similarities with Jalen when I uh, – when I was, you know, watching him. So uh, with that being said, you know, he he made the commitment along with his mom, Angel, who's a, a sweetheart in terms of uh, hanging there in, in there with me when they came to visit. And um, so now he's, you know, he's going to be wearing an Indiana uniform and, you know, it's going to be my staff and my job to, you know, the teaching basketball at a high level and, and getting to play at a high level. But, boy, I, I really feel good about him. Uh, <clears throat> when you mentioned Malik, you know, I was making trips up to watch, you know, their high school team. And, boy, they were loaded, you know, in terms of they ended up winning nationals this this past season. And, um, and you know, I, I've watched Malik and – you know, I, I spoke to him in passing, uh, knew he was going to Florida and already committed. And when that when that broke down, I was on his doorstep. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, along with Kenyon and and Yon and the other coaches, you know, this was a guy that, you know, that we had watched, you know, throughout his season. And we like, man, well, listen. You know, if he's gonna uncommit to, to Florida, maybe we need to, you know, give ourselves a chance, put our foot in the door, and see if we can close the deal. And uh, told him, you know, I I would love for him to come to IU and visit, you know, with his parents to give me a shot at it, you know. And he promised me he would do that, and he did. And we got him down here, man. And we basically kidnapped him. <laughs> <laughs> he committed and boy that was was a, a beautiful day here in Bloomington when he said hey he wanted to play for Indiana University and and our program and I mean that was a, a beautiful day so we got two guys that are familiar with one another that's played with each other so that should help uh them coming in and now they just gotta put up with me and learn what you know we're about and see if they can help us win basketball games. Well, and when you consider them and CJ Gunn, uh, 
a uh, a big shooting guard like yourself coming down from Indianapolis, Caleb Banks, uh, another bigger guy for down low. So it does seem between Caleb and Malik, you've you've got some insurance policy uh, in case Trace doesn't come back. So that's a huge question mark whether Trace is there or not. But do you already have a uh, a vision either way? of how you want to see the offense evolve. And certainly as a fan, when you think about X and Jalen Hutchifino potentially out there, um, it's it's something to make one salivate. But for you as a coach, you know, it's like, okay, defense, we, we nailed that last year. We're only going to get bigger, faster, stronger, longer on defense this year. So I, I, I assume that keeps rolling. But what do you want to see on the offensive end? Well, hell, I might hire you as a coach. <laughs> That's a terrible <laughs> idea. <laughs> no, no, you sounded like <laughs> like you like you can coach a little bit. He's no, an no. actor. He's yeah, an, actor. an actor. He just okay. slipped into a role. I'm pretending. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, I. You know, it's hard, guys. It is hard to say when you assemble because I like Caleb and CJ because I think Caleb and CJ are more wing players. Mm. Uh, you know. Everybody thinks Caleb is just a low post. He's not a low post guy. He he can't post, but he 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 makes plays out on the floor with the basket. Guy's six eight, you know, about six eight, mm-hmm. six seven, six eight, and, and and long. So, um, I would like offensively to play more open, you know. But again, when you give a team latitude to play more open, you know, there's still rules, you know, like taking care of the basketball and getting good shots. Um, you know, everybody wants to run in basketball. You hear that all the time. And uh, I've had teams that ran, but you got to condition yourself to run. It can't be when you want to run, you know, uh, when, when you get stops, you know, everybody's got to get up the floor, you know, and that was the whole thing. I think when we, when we had good offense this year, you know, we got out in transition and we got easy buckets and it was really nice to watch from an offensive standpoint. Um, so freely, I like to play like that all the time, but it all goes hand in hand. You got to get stops. You got to rebound the ball and then everybody's got to be conditioned to run and sacrifice the basketball. So that's the kind of team I would like to put together. Uh, but it's, it's going to be work in progress because you got new guys again that you're dealing with that's never played with one another. Um, so it's going to be a lot of work. You know, it's not something you just roll the ball out and say it's going to happen. We got to put work and time in. You are someone who understands the history of Indiana University and how special the place is that that you now lead. Um, recruiting is such an interesting world, and I'm wondering you're going to recruit guys and you have recruited guys that ultimately go somewhere else. How much does it bother you when you are offering a kid the chance to be at this special place and he chooses to go elsewhere? Is that something that just rolls off your back quickly or does it bug you? No, it's a part of our college game. You know, I was being recruited by so many schools, man. And I spoke to different coaches here and there, but I had one one place in mind that was Bob Knight and Indiana University. So, hey, as a as a player, you know, at that time being so young, you know, 18 years old, 17, 18, you're not thinking about how the other school felt. You know, you're thinking about how you're going to go now and navigate 
the program that you choose. So, you know, I'm not, I'm happy for kids. I mean, I can't close a deal. You know, that's on me. Um, you know, I, I try to do everything right in terms of recruiting these kids. I'm not promising them a damn thing. The only thing I'm promising is an education and you play for one of the greatest basketball programs in the history of basketball. You're going to play on national TV every time you lace it up. That's what I'm selling. And we're family and I'm going to make sure that you're taken care of on and off the court. That's my job as a coach. And um, if you tell me yes, then you're part of family. You tell me no, then I respect that and wish you nothing but the best as you move on. You know, I mean, that's just the nature of recruiting. Let's talk for a quick second about your teaching and how much you love teaching because you're about to bring it to a few hundred kids in the area with Mike Woodson's basketball camp, which just got announced, I believe, yesterday. Uh, these camps are from June 13th to June 16th and June 20th to June 23rd. You can get information at MikeWoodsonBasketballCamps.com, MikeWoodsonBasketballCamps.com. How excited are you to be able to just get on the court with a, you know, several hundred kids and, and see the, the pure joy of basketball for basketball's sake? It'll bring back old memories, guys, because it was the camp that I came to that I could not afford to come. And my sixth grade teacher, who was my math teacher, who came back into my life after I left that school my junior year in high school, he found me and said, Hey man, you got to go to Bob Knight's basketball camp. And I'm like, really? I said, uh, who's going to pay for it? Cause I don't have any money. I'm going to pay for it. And it, it, it was probably the biggest thing that probably happened to me at an early age in my basketball career. Cause I got down here and coach, you know, he, he, teaches you all the fundamentals of basketball, passing, shooting, uh, defensive stations, five-on-five five games, uh, uh, contests, you know, and he had a three-on-three three contest. And me and two other young kids, we ended up winning the whole three-on-three. Three. And that was the biggest thrill of my early days as a basketball player. And we got this T-shirt. This basketball, Indiana University basketball T-shirt, a Bob Knight basketball T-shirt. And I thought that getting that T-shirt was the biggest thrill of my life, man. I'd come all the way from Indianapolis, never been anywhere in my life, an hour away, and I went a three-on-three in a T-shirt. And it kind of set the stage, man, because Coach Knight came to me and he says, hey, I'm going to follow you your senior year. And he did. And it was the biggest senior you know my senior year was huge you know i mean i couldn't have picked a better time to really blossom not that my junior what junior year wasn't a good year uh but my senior year i really blossomed and you know everything else is history i ended up coming to indiana so these young kids will get an opportunity to get the same experience that i got and uh it's going to be fun for them it was fun for me when i came here for it and so I'm excited and looking forward to it. That's great. That's great. By the way, you and I had very different experiences at Bob Knight's basketball camp, probably about a dozen or so years after you went, 
I went and I did a little showboat move and threw the ball over my head and coach Knight saw it and ripped my ass for it in front of everyone. And I cried all the way back to the door. Well, all, all you need to do is call Isaiah and ask him how it worked out, work out for him his freshman year. He stole the ball. He had a breakaway layup. He tried to dunk it and he missed it. Hold on. He missed the dunk and he never tried to dunk ever again in college basketball. <laughs> Mike called a timeout. He said, son, if you ever get a layup, you bet not ever try to dunk it again. Just lay the ball up. <laughs> I love it. That love is it. the one and only time ever Eric will relay a story about his basketball career and somebody will think to start talking about Isaiah Thomas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Coach, I do want to go back to recruiting and, and just the state of college basketball. We touched on it briefly. NIL is part of the game now. Um, and there's correct ways to do NIL and there are incorrect ways to do NIL. And obviously, you know, obviously we're involved in NIL and we do it within all the rules and, and want to do it in a way that makes Indiana proud, but also do it in a way that allows Indiana to compete. How important has NIL become in just the year that, that you've been there? Uh, obviously, you've been there for the first year of NIL. How often does it come up with recruits, with, with current players? And how important is NIL in your estimation for um, college basketball? Well, you know, I think when it came in, you know, everybody was searching. They're still searching. And I don't think they really know what's going on and how, how it should work. And, you know, I thought – you know, when we put it in, you know, last season, all of our players benefited from it. And that's, and that's what it should be. And, and not just, you know, basketball, it should be for all sports, I think. So uh, I think we all benefited from it. But when I recruit a player and they talk about NIL, I just tell them that I think we got probably one of the best NIL programs going. And if you decide to come, you have to work within the framework of our NIL and go from there. I can't help, you know, right, I, right. it's out of my hands. There's nothing I can do. All I can tell you is that our NIL is set up and, you know, whatever you work or, you know, once you get here, but understand me being the coach, Again, I'm for players getting paid, but I'm also for players getting an education first and playing basketball nationally every time you lace it up at Indiana University basketball. So those two things to me are more important than NIL. And that's the only way I'm going to sell it. And if you got any other thoughts, then you shouldn't be coming here to play basketball at Indiana University, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, what you do off the court, I'm good with that. But once you step within those lines and once you got a schedule to go to classes, that's what I expect you to do. Coach, I, I like, uh, I like to invest in the power of positive thinking. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking of a, a screenplay in my head as a filmmaker and it's Indiana University. Uh, it's your team. They're cutting down the nets. 
uh, the sixth banner is going to be raised. And Coach Woodson, you have one more very important decision to make. What is the cigar you're going to smoke to celebrate the sixth banner going up in assembly? Hall? Well, if I if I'm ever fortunate enough to to step in Bob Knight's shoes and win a a national title, I'm going to smoke a Monte Cristo. Number two? Number two. There you go. Classic. What? Here's an important question. Wait, if Eric. If you had to give wait, up. Wait, Eric, what will you be smoking with Coach Woodson? <laughs> well, I, I will just follow him and <laughs> I just totally just, I'll just take in the secondhand smoke. Um, if you had to give up cigars or golf, which one would you give up? Cigars. Ooh, not even a thought. No. And I'm not, you know, I'm not a good golfer by any means. But man, I just, I've, you know, I've, I just like what golf offers, man. It gives you an opportunity to get out in the fresh air, gives you an opportunity to meet people and network. Uh, that's kind of who I am, you know, as a, as a person. I've grown into that over the years. Uh, that's why, you know, I've had my golf tournament in Vegas for, for a number of years. Um, but I just, you know, I started a program. I don't know if I told you these guys way back in the day called Woody's club. It was a golf program. This is before first team come out in, in Houston, Texas. And I ran it for five years. I got away from doing basketball camps uh, because I just liked what golf had to offer these young kids. And 240 kids would go through the program every summer. And it was half young ladies and, and, and half, you know, young boys. And uh, it was the most talked about golf program in, in Houston. Uh, you know, we had four different sites and then I would bring them all out to my country club and have a nine hole golf tournament. And it was just the beauty about young kids. When they pick up golf, they pick it up and they learn it a lot faster than we do. As grown-ups, and you say, "How the hell can that happen?" They do, yeah. And it was a beautiful thing. Then I got into this crazy game of coaching, and I had to let it go. So I love golf and what it has to offer. Now you're talking about golf, like, oh, it's just this serene experience out in the open. You talk a lot of trash. You talk no, a I lot do. of smack, and I would bet on the golf course. You are talking so much smack. It is not a quiet game. Am I off? Well, just put it this way. I might talk trash, but I can't back it up when it comes to golf. <laughs> golf is a humble, it's a humbling game, man. <laughs> I love that. I, you, you know what, Coach? Before we let you go, I do want to talk about one other guy because I think it deserves talking about. Yes. Race Thompson, who um, we've gotten to know race over the years. We love him. He's such a good young man. He's a leader. Um, he's really grown as a young man as we've watched him for the last, well, it seems like he's been at Indiana for about a dozen years now, but he decided to come back for his sixth year. Um, how big is it getting race back? And what does race mean to you? It is huge. I mean, when you think about what race did for our ball club this year, he was like, everything to our ball club and he became better as a basketball player you think about some of the plays he made in the open court with the ball he made some threes he was a beast down low 
great interior passer, you know, where we, he and Trace played a lot of buddy ball. I mean, it's, it, he, from what I watched of Trace race the year before and to where he ended up for our ball club, it's like night and day. So for him to commit to come back, man, he made Woodson's day. When he took call and said, I'm, I'm returning, that was huge for me because I know exactly what I'm getting. I'm getting leadership. I'm getting a quality young man on and off the court, man. It's just, it's just per perfect for our, our, our ball club and, and this university, man, that he's, he's making another return uh, to stay on board with us. Coach, you've taken uh, an hour of your very precious time. Uh, and I, I just want to say that this last season, the roller coaster that it was, was an absolute blast. It, it made us all remember why we're Indiana University basketball fans. And my guess is you've already gotten a sense of this living in Bloomington, but you have got a fan base behind you that could not be more excited, more enthusiastic, and more optimistic about the future. And uh, I just want to thank you for bringing the joy back to Indiana University basketball. Well, thank you guys. We got a lot of work still on our hands, man. We got a long way to go, man. And, you know, it's going to be my staff and myself's job to uh, to push these guys in the right direction and, and see if we can get this team back on top in a major uh, way. So that's what we, it's all about. Before we let you go, and I echo everything Ward said, we know this happens often. It's still pretty early your time. It's about 1030 a.m. You've been on with us for an hour. But have Kenya or Yad done anything to piss you off today? No, I'm not. No, they haven't. You know, every, every, everybody's in good standard today. I'm just, get, I'm just gearing up for my kids that are coming in here for our basketball camp. And you know, one more time, if you want to sign up, if you want to get your kids signed up, and these spots are going to go quick, yeah. MikeWoodsonBasketballCamps.com, MikeWoodsonBasketballCamps.com, June 13th to 16th and June 20th to 23rd. One more uh, time before we let you go. Just give us a quick, um, and I should have asked this before, but Brian Walsh promoted into assistant job. We love Brian. We love the fact that he's been there and now gets a chance to to grow as a as a basketball coach. But what does Brian mean to you, and how cool was it for you to see how happy Brian was when you gave him the opportunity? Well, again, I think he's earned that role. I, you know, I think when you hire somebody, you don't just hire them. Uh, you know, he put in a lot of work this past season, um, a lot of behind the scene work as well as, you know, instruction work in, in the classroom, what we call when we're trying to prepare for a, a ball opposing team. Um, and he's, you know, he's a neat freak, you know, he's great on the board. Uh, his office is a lot neater than my office. So, but Again, we're all in learning mode. You know, we're still trying to learn one another. And uh, he's a great addition uh, to our to our staff in terms of, you know, us, you know, we're moving him up and giving him an opportunity now to be on the bench and, and work on the basketball floor. Well, Coach, you know how I feel about you personally, uh, professionally. I admire what you did with Indiana last year. Cannot wait to see what you do next year and years beyond. Because like Ward said, his screenplay of cutting down the nets, we see in our heads. And uh, we're excited to go on this roller coaster with you for the next several, 
many years. Thank you, guys. I appreciate you allowing me to come on your show, and uh, I'll be in touch. All right, Coach. Good luck, Coach. All right. All right. Take care, guys. That was a guest. That was a guest. No wonder everybody wants to come play for this guy. What's there not to love? When he smiles and laughs, it is the greatest sound, visual. It just lights up your life, doesn't it? It's infectious. It really does. It really does. Your your heart just kind of sings. It's like, oh, we're having a happy time with Coach Woodson right now. Yeah, and it feels um, earned. You know what I mean? Like, it, it doesn't happen willy-nilly. Right. Like He's you, a serious you, dude who who uh, who certainly has that warmth and joy in him. But, you know, we're talking to him ultimately about his job, his career, his passion. Um, so then, yeah, it's like sort of the clouds part and the sunshine pours through and you're just in a very happy place. Yeah. And I, I and I also loved hearing him talk a little bit about the downs and um, and how he kind of takes them in stride like it is part of this roller coaster. And I know a lot of fans, like when the Xavier news broke, it was like, get rid of him. You know, kick him off the team. No, it was his second defense. So look, get rid of. But like, it's just not how someone who lives with these guys, for the most part, most coaches who are so invested in these kids' lives, they don't just throw the baby out with the bathwater. They realize how hard it is, and Coach has a personal experience with it. He could have been kicked off the team for what he did when he was at Indiana, but he wasn't. And look what happened to his life. And so I have to think that with Coach, he just keeps thinking that there's an end game here for these guys that's not just basketball. It is a long, successful life. And you heard what he said he promises to the kids. He doesn't promise them a damn thing when it comes to playing time. Mm -hmm. But he promises them an education and that he will do everything he can to help them and take care of them on and off the court. And that goes beyond your time as an Indiana basketball player. And I think that's uh, a lot of coaches, I'm sure, probably say that. But when it's coming from Coach Woodson and the way he just presented it to us, you, you get a pretty good feeling of how he would do that with a recruit and his, his parents, you know, over breakfast uh, somewhere. And you're like, well, he means it. That is a very sincere and earnest promise. And then even going back to, oh, say what LeBron texts to Gabe Cups. Yes. Everything I've heard is Woody is the best. Like this man has decades of being a sincere, warm, wonderful human being, and that's now coming home to roost as he's the the head coach at Indiana University where this reputation precedes him. So if he's sitting across the table from you and telling you this, you can take it to the bank. And boy, it sure is fun to to see all these players falling under his spell. And, you know, look, we're, he has zero interest in us playing for Indiana University. But he's still, that charisma and sincerity is is so obvious. I think um, it, it, it's, it's just fun to know when a recruit is coming to Bloomington, that's who's waiting for him. Yeah, I, I think you're right. And he even, you know, talked about like, if I can't close, you know, like he, refer, you know, we've so, we've so referred to him as the closer. Yeah. And I think it's clear that's how he sees himself. Mm -hmm. um, but then getting into the basketball stuff, 
I loved hearing him talk about what really stood out to him about Jalen Hood Shafino was pass first mentality. Looking to that, set up his teammates. Yes. And that he was, you know, that there's so many ways to stand out as a basketball player, but most players think that the only way to stand out is to score. Mm-hmm. But Jalen is different. And that that speaks to a character and um substance about a kid that is unique and those are the kids that end up being special players you know you that always, have that you, special sauce you always want guys who uh get comped to jason kid yeah i mean my god i mean that and the fact that he said jason kid is the smartest player that he ever coached yeah and that he sees a little jason kid in jalen hood Shafino is you use the word salivating in the uh, in the podcast. That's what it is. I mean, it is just like the fact that he sees that, you know, well, and that that's what he wanted out of him. Um, and and is that, awesome that, you know, uh, and look, the, the sort of the transformation of X um, and when that was going on and Jalen's commitment, uh, uh, Jalen clearly has so much talent, right? And ability and potential. But when you see what Coach Woodson was able to do, you do have it, something in your mouth. I think so. You just—it looks like you've either gone crazy or uh, a cat walked into the room. A cat walked. Yeah, in. like cat hair. Cat hair. Wow, that's so specific. No, this is just—it turns out I just had one of my own eyelashes in my mouth. Your own eyelash fell. So I'm going to make a wish. I'm going to make a wish. Okay, I know what the wish is going to be. Yeah, 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 yeah. Everybody that, does. With but that, we can't, that, talk, that, we can't that, talk about it. That I remain in your life forever as a dear friend. Okay, well, you were off. <laughs> <gasps> okay, can't talk about it. We don't talk about Bruno, and we don't talk about the eyelash wish. No, 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 no. Um, Wait, hold on. Yeah, so he's going to get the most out of Jalen Hutchifino, and I think there's a lot to get out of there. Yeah, and, and and the idea of him being this pass-first guy and setting up teammates also lets you know how easy it will be for him to play alongside X, who truthfully can distribute but is much more of a scoring point guard than Jalen seems to be. So they seem to complement each other well. And when you look around, I mean, North Carolina did really well with a bunch of guys like R.J. Davis and Caleb Love who needed to have the ball in their hand yep. and, and playing them together. And I'm not comparing, you know, these guys to those guys yet, but but it does portend, you know, some really interesting lineups that we could have that that are exciting. And and you heard him say, like, he would love to play more open with rules, with structure. But now he may finally have the tools. Oh, I know what I was going to say. I thought it was really interesting. And we didn't hear this throughout the year, obviously. But he knew watching the team play pickup, we better be good on defense. Yeah. You know, and and look, yep. man, that I like that because look, he didn't say that throughout the year because what are you going to do? Shit on your own team? You're never going to do that. He's never going to do that ever. But he clearly saw where the strength had to be for this team to compete because yep. he didn't see that we were going to be an elite, consistent shooting team. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, then we better double down on defense to keep us in games and hope you make plays. And he did. And and we we didn't make enough plays to have a stellar season, but we made enough plays and we're in enough games to have a successful season. Yeah. And I thought that was really, um, really cool to hear that, that mindset from him. Well, and I... 
thought it was interesting because it, you know, there's been so much talk about Jalen and Malik, but that he took a moment to talk about CJ and Caleb and how he saw potential in, in those guys being wings. You know, like maybe we think of CJ's more like, oh, like a two or, or Caleb more like a four, but he's seeing them possibly both dropping in in that that three slot if you want to think of it that way and it's like oh that's fun to think about because you know we all we've all been jockeying around the potential lineups and rotations and you know for for really this year and probably next already uh and to just kind of get an idea of where his mind is at and I think going back to that great uh analogy I forget which was the first coach Knight player to tell us about coach Knight was building a car it was Moye. Was it Moya? Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. All the way back. Um, and just thinking of the different parts of the car that are all going to work together to make it go. And, yeah, I mean, now each recruiting class, each player that comes in is is co- by design. Coach Woodson is designing this car, and it's, it's just fun to kind of get a, a sneak preview of where he could see it all going. And, and I do think he sees the four as a wing. Like right, in an exactly. ideal world, yeah. you know, I mean, that, it, when you're you got race and trace, at least in year one, he starts to get race out there a little bit. Um, and, you know, hopefully we'll get to see race and trace back with with again, uh, maybe just one of them down low most of the time instead of both of them hovering around the lane. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, I think if race and trace are both there, they're both going to start. I really do. I yeah, believe yeah. it. But 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 within that, that one of them or both of them oh. takes turns stretching it out. Well, yeah, and race did more of that. Like, look, exactly. and he, when he was shooting and couldn't hit water if he fell out of a boat, people were freaking out. And then he started hitting shots midway, you know, two-thirds through the year. And I think, wasn't it the Illinois game where he hit two huge threes in the second half in the Big Ten tournament that really were like, like, wow, we've got a chance at this thing. Like, those yeah. were huge shots. And race really brought the ball up a lot. I think race, you know, that was the first year he did that. He, the funny thing is his turnovers and he had some turnover problems were not from bringing the ball up the court. They were like bad plays in the post is where he had most of his turnovers. Hopefully that tightens up in this last year that he'll be at Indiana. But I think you see ideally, you know, when we saw it at the end of last year, when race kind of was struggling, you had Jordan Geronimo in the game with trace Mm -hmm. and things were a little bit more open then as well. So, um, it's, it's tough. Like, I kind of like it, it, we we obviously uh, have to respect Coach Woodson's time. He is coaching our basketball team. But yeah, I do. I just kind of wanted to go down the roster and ask him about each and every player. Yeah. What you what you see from him this season? What are you expecting next season? But uh, we we definitely got some some great insight on some of the players. And yeah, I just love spending time with the guy when you know he he clearly is. Um like you said, he's infectious and you understand why these players want to play for him. And why does he have more five-star recruits this coming season than the entire big 10 combined? Like, I mean, that's not an accident, you know, and, Mm -hmm. and we should give credit to Kenya also because Kenya is the lead recruiter on all three of those five stars. Thousand percent. And, And so Kenya deserves a ton of that credit, but then the closer comes in and and knocks it out of the park it's it's just really exciting um again if you've got kids in the area and want to go to his basketball camps their day camps june 13th to 16th and june 20th to the 23rd 
at www.mikewoodsonbasketballcamps.com www.mikewoodsonbasketballcamps.com I think there's only 300 slots between the two sessions so I would get on it quickly because I think those are going to fill up the chance to be on the court with with coach Woodson is very cool do you think if if we shaved our beards we could sneak in that is a good question we should definitely try to sneak in I will body up a nine-year-old I don't care (laughs) I will just back him down the problem is if you and I went to that we would not be the best players on the court. No, no, it wouldn't do anything for our already low self-esteem. No, it's just grades two through nine. So the oldest kid you would have there is 15, probably. Oh, they would smoke us. That would be embarrassing. It would, it would, it's it's always embarrassing when we get on a basketball court. Yeah. All right. Nobody else, nobody else needs to be out there. No, no. <laughs> follow us on Twitter at Hoosier Hysterics for the hysterics. No E, no I. But the sometimes why? We'll see you next week. From the halls of assembly, you'll hear us scream and shout. Our love of Indiana is manic and devout. Everything I do, we discuss in unique manner. We won't be satisfied until we hang another banner. Us two goofy guys go by names of Ward and Eric. And as you probably know by now, we're Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics. Hoosier Hysterics.